I saw a video recently where it, 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 like, it was supposedly Mary and the song came on. She was like, yes, I knew. The angel told me, right? <laughs> so uh, there are some things probably, though, that she didn't know. I mean, she knew he was going to be the son of God. He knew what, she knew what the Old Testament said. Um, man, I'm shaking up here this morning. Um, she knew what the Hebrew Bible taught when it came to who the Messiah would be. The angel told her. Uh, I mean, we, we see in the book of Isaiah where it says the virgin's going to conceive. So when he told her, you're going to have, hey, how can this be? Well, God's going to, oh, it must be the Messiah. And then now, did she know that Jesus was, her the son in her womb was probably going to walk on water someday? The answer to that's what? Probably not. Did she know that he was going to raise people from the dead? Probably not. That, you know, there are a lot of things that Jesus did that weren't revealed in the Hebrew Bible or the angel didn't tell her. We don't know how long that conversation was, but I doubt he foretold to her every miracle that Jesus would perform. In fact, the Bible tells us that if there were a record of how much Jesus did in the short time that he lived out his ministry while on earth, that the, the world itself couldn't contain the books in which those things would be written. Um, so when we think about what Mary was understanding, I want to ask you today, did you know? Did you know when you became a follower of Christ, what it meant to be a follower of Christ? And for the majority of us, we knew a little bit of it, but we didn't know a lot of it, right? How many of you know more now about what it means to be a follower of Christ than you did when you first accepted Christ? Raise your hand if that's true. All right, I hope that's true. <laughs> um, that when the child was born in the manger before Mary, what did she know or what didn't she know? I, as I was listening to this song recently, it made me think there are a lot of things we know when we accept Jesus into our lives, but there's a lot of things that maybe we don't know. And that's the question that Paul asked the people at Corinth. He says, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Now, it's a non-traditional Christmas, that's been our theme. So moms and dads, I just explained, I'll just warn you now, you're probably going to have to have some conversations after this service, okay? Like, what does this mean? But uh, how is Jesus in us? In the same way, this is what I want you to think, in a, not the exact same way, but in a similar way that the power of God, that God himself was inside of Mary, it is also, even though that's literally true, it's also a metaphor that the writers of the New Testament employ for us to understand how Christ is working within us if we are followers of his. And so just before people would take communion, Paul would ask them to ask this question about themselves. Think about this, examine yourself, is Christ in you. This is what I want you to understand that Jesus explained to the disciples as soon as he rose from the grave and he says, I'm going back to heaven, but this is for your advantage because once I go, then my spirit will come and reside in you all. And when that spirit comes, we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Sometimes we think we, we pray this prayer, and what happens at that prayer is just that our sins are washed away, but we don't necessarily understand that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave resides in all of us who have made Jesus our Savior and Lord. Do you get that? And so sometimes we walk around like, no, no, I'm just trudging through. How you doing? Better than I deserve. You know, just blah, 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 going around like we're losers when in reality you've got the power of Christ within you. And that's what Jesus was explaining to his disciples is that same power that you've seen me doing works, that same power resides within you. And then he sent them out and they did it and they came back and they were like, we got that power too. And this is what Paul explains to the church at Ephesus. He says, when he's closing the first half of his book, he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. Now, you've heard that before. Like, he blesses us exceedingly ab abundantly. As if, watch this, as if God just makes these happen, these things happen, these exceedingly abundant things happen around us without us being involved. Sometimes we say, oh, man, it was just all God. Well, that's technically true, but it's all God through people is what I want you to understand. Look at what he says. The way God does exceeding and abundantly great things beyond more than we could anything ask, anything we could ask or imagine, he does it according to the power at work, not just within the world, but within us. Do you get that? Like God does these miraculous things through you. That's amazing, is it not? And so many times I feel like we go through life feeling, uh, living as if we were powerless when in fact we've got all the power in the universe stored up inside just like Mary had all the power of the universe stored up inside of her. So I want you to think about that. Every time you hear that song, this is what I'm training myself to do now, Mary, did you know? Well, she knew a little bit and not fully. God helped me to know more fully. Help my congregation to know more fully what it means to have the power of Christ in us. Now, if you're feeling like you're living through life and you're completely powerless, this is why Paul said, now look, what I said earlier was the middle of this verse. It said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? It's a question we all need to ask this morning. Does the power of Christ reside within me? Do I have that power that's in the scripture? And if you know the answer to that is yes, then let's display that power in the way that we live our lives. Let's use that power in overcoming sin and the devil that so often entangles us. So I wish that in the Bible, uh, when, it's, when Paul says, test yourselves, I want you to think about the purpose of a test. Uh, this time of year was one of the two times of years for literally 13 years of my life after high school that I had to take final exams or turn in a final paper. How many of you remember the feeling, for some of you longer than others, but some of you college students are in the middle of it now, how many of you remember the feeling for the last 
exam of your semester. Do you remember coming in and turning in that paper and putting it on the desk and just feeling all the way to the world, the paper or the exam? Do you remember the feeling of just laying that down there and you just think, I'm done, I'm finished? How many of you remember that feeling at the end of the semester? It's a pretty good feeling, right? What's the only way it's a bad feeling? If you have no idea whether or not you're going to pass. I had a semester like that. I did, it was the semester I met D. It was a semester that also before I met D that I was the most distant from God. I was doing all, the, like not all the bad stuff college students do, but a lot of the stuff that college students do. I was not living according to the power of Christ. And that reflected in my grades. I remember I called my dad every day. The gray card come in yet? Gray card come in yet? Gray card come in? You can open it. I'm just telling, warning you, Dad, I know you paid for this semester, but it's going to be bad. And uh, I'd always been an A student, had an academic scholarship to college. I was waiting for that test. I was on pins and needles all the time. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. No. And finally, he called me. I, I got it in. Did you open it? Yep. And he went down the line. line. Biology, D. Gym class, A. Well, praise the Lord. Math class, I said, you don't have to tell me. I didn't go back to that class after October 1st. <laughs> Organic chemistry, F. And he went down it, and then I said, oh, so I'm doing the math in my head. I said, Dad, that sounds a whole lot like a 1.8. He says, no wonder you failed math. It's a 1.5. <laughs> Man, I was not operating according to the power that was in me. Not just in Christ, but the intelligence the Lord gave me. I wasn't applying the gifts that God had given to me. And so when you take tests that you're not, that you don't know if you're gonna pass or fail, you're on pins and needles, I don't know. The purpose of the exam though, later on, like I got, I got right with the Lord, I got right with D, I got engaged to D, life turned around. All of a sudden, man, I would tell my mom and dad, Please open that gray card when you come in. I knew what was coming. It's a good feeling when you know you're going to pass tests, right? It's a good thing when you go in to take the final and you just know in your mind, I'm going to kill this thing. And the purpose of this test you're thinking is, I'm going to show just how much I got right here. So everybody, like, D and I were in a class together and we were battling each other because the professor would always... You get sued for this today for mental stress. The prof would put the scores up there with your names on them. So if you're really stupid, everybody could see on the bottom of the list. And D and I were always out of 100 some students, D and I were right there. I'm not going to tell you who won. <laughs> but I just remember going into it like, we're going to show what we know. We were studying together, we were going. But when it comes to following Christ, and how much power you have in you, or whether or not you're even saved. It's not as easy as doing this kind of test. When you take this and you're like, oh, there are two lines there. So I want to talk to this morning, like here's the purpose of the test that I'm about to give you. Not to scare you, not to fail you. Not so you'll live the rest of your Christmas weekend out here just wondering whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. I'm going to give you a test. In fact, you're going to, I'm just going to give you questions. You're going to test yourselves, as Paul says. Nobody else can test you. Do you get that? That's why he says test yourselves. Only you know your heart. 
I'm going to give you a four-question test. And if you don't pass the test, I'm going to tell you how to take the test again and pass it. Do you follow? So here, like, how do I know whether or not I'm a Christian? How do I know whether or not if I could take a spiritual pregnancy test that Christ would be within me? How do I know? Okay, that's the purpose of the test. So you know whether or not you have what it takes to move on to the next level. All right, here it is. Question number one. Do you know that you know? Do you know that you know? This is what Paul writes. He says, for God who said, let shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is question number one. One of the ways that you know that you're a Christian, question number one, it's not all four, but the first question is this. Do you know that you know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in that Mary, in, in, in Virgin Mary, okay, and that he was crucified on the cross for our sins, and on the third day he rose again from the grave? Do you know that you know that to be true? If so, then you get question number one right. I hope a lot of you are feeling good. My guess is that most of you would probably get that right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. All right? Paul says this, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. His will, the Bible tells us it's God's will for everyone to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, the prophet Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. In other words, if you don't know that God exists, if you don't know that Jesus rose from the grave, for a lot of us, especially in this country, and there's no question about it, if you were in this room today, that knowledge is being offered to you. I can't promise you that it'll be offered again to you after this day. That knowledge is being offered to you that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. He paid your penalty on that cross and he rose from the grave. And as he goes to heaven, he sends his spirit to reside in those of us who believe in him. And this is why Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, when it says believe here, it just doesn't mean know it. it it's a belief that leads to Jesus being the boss of your life. And that's going to lead to the subsequent questions I have to ask you, questions two, three, and four. We have to understand this. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, hey, you believe, you know that God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. So what, I want you to understand this. Knowledge that Jesus rose from the dead is not enough to get you to heaven. Just knowledge that, listen, does the devil know that Jesus rose from the grave? Does the devil know that Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life? Does the devil know that he died on the cross for all of our sins? Does the devil know that? Of course he knows that. So that's why I got to go on to question number two. Okay? And this is what Paul says about question number two. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Here it is. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, which is 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I want you to watch what he says. Here it is. This is what Paul says that he wants to explain to everybody. It's one thing to know that Jesus rose from the grave. But question two is this. Is your hope solely based on the work that Christ performed for you on Calvary? Or are you thinking your good, righteous acts in some way will play a part whether or not you get to cross those pearly gates? I think deep down, this is what a lot of us believe, it's Christ plus our good works. Yes, I believe Jesus did this, but because I'm generally a good person, I will get into heaven. Watch what he says. When we talk about our hope of glory, he doesn't say Christ in you is a hope of glory, as if we have many hopes. No, it says that Jesus is the hope of glory. Do you, do you see what? Why, why is that important that there is a definite article here? When it says the hope of glory, what does that mean? He's the only hope of glory. So question number two is this. Is your hope for salvation solely based on the work Christ performed for you? It, let me ask it in another way. This morning, if someone were to say to you, man, why do you have any shot of going to heaven? If you would list anything that you've done in this life, any act you perform, then my friends, you fail question number two. Question number two is this. Do you have, what is your hope? My hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. That's the only hope that any of us have. Question number three, okay. Paul writes, my little children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, I want you to see this. What he's saying is his salvation and his ministry that he's called him to, even though it was initiated early in his life, we have something called sanctification in that we're growing in our faith. And he even, watch this, he even uses the metaphor of childbirth. This is like the word pregnant. It comes from two Latin words, pre, you know what pre means, before. And the nat part of it is where we get the word nativity. It just means birth, pre-birth. What is pregnancy, pre-birth explaining? That there is something growing inside of you that is not yet fully realized for all to see. It is not fully mature just yet, but it is growing in you, right? So I've I'm, I'm got a picture here of my daughter, my first grandbaby. Everybody give a polite golf clap. It's due this March. Let's praise the Lord. I'm really excited about that. And I think what I'm going to say now is okay, but I know it's on the edge. I think it's okay. I should have cleared this with my wife. <laughs> Every time I see my daughter, she's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I saw her at Thanksgiving, and I've seen a couple pictures since Thanksgiving. She's about ready to roll into my house this week. And when I say roll into my house, that might be a literal word. <laughs> She's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now listen, if my daughter was the same size she was four months ago, what would I say to her when she came into our house? I would tell her what? You need to go see a doctor. Because if you're not growing, it's a sign that you may not be pregnant anymore. It's a sign that there may not be life inside of you. And this is why Peter writes, 
like newborn infants. I heard y'all's baby when I'm coming in today, just crying, crying, crying. Just what a beautiful sound. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual man. Long for it. This is the deep desire of our hearts that by it you may grow up into salvation. Watch this. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Do you see what Peter's communicating to all of us here? This is another way of saying, like Paul says, test yourselves. If you're not growing up into your salvation, here's my question. Are you growing bigger in your faith or just older in your faith? Sometimes people will say, man, I've been a Christian 35 years, okay? But how much more mature in Christ are you than the day that you accepted him? How much more have you gained in your knowledge of Christ and your love in Christ since you were 16 years old? And sadly, I think that for a lot of us, the time when we were the most committed to Christ was when we were a teenager. And then life comes as an adult, bitterness comes, hurt, pain, grief, and you start to feel like you're not growing anymore. And so this is something that it says that we need to measure. Here's a measure of it, and I would ask again another way. When it comes to Christmas presents, if you are 55 years old today and you're just thinking, I can't wait to see what everybody bought me. <laughs> Listen, that's cool if you're five years old. Do you get that? Like that's why five-year-olds are going to wake up tomorrow morning, whoa, let's see what Santa brought me. Let's see what mommy and daddy got me. Run down what grandma and grandma. That's how five-year-olds are supposed to think. But if you're 55, you're spiritually challenged. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> you should be thinking more as you grow as an adult, how can I give to the people I love? Instead of coming to church and thinking, what are they doing for me? It's about how can I serve the body of Christ? This is the one of the ways that we know that we're growing is that we are more interested in giving than we are in receiving. Do you follow that? Did you pass question number three? Question number four. If, if Christ is in you, and he says it for a reason. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him, watch this, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, big if, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, though his spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to de death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Here's question number four. Are you being led by chasing after sin? Or are you being led by chasing after Jesus? That's why he says over and over, if, 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 if. If, and my friends, for a lot of us, this is the number one question we got to ask this morning. I know if I would have taken a poll when you came in, all of you would have said you believed in Jesus. Almost all of you. There might be a handful of people, but you usually don't come to a Christmas Eve service unless you believe there's something to the Christmas Eve service. 
You believe that he rose from the dead. And you know that you need to grow in your faith. And some of you are growing, but my larger question is this. What are you chasing after right now? What are you seeking with your life? What do you wake up in the morning thinking, man, I got to do this today. I got to look at this today. I got to read this today. What are you setting before your eyes? What are you chasing after? And there may be some of you here this morning that, that can honestly say, man, I don't know if I passed that test. So I close with just one more verse. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What does he promise here? You want to know if you're pregnant with Jesus? He's knocking. Chase after me. Turn from that sin. And listen, just like a pregnancy, it's not that we become perfect the day that we become pregnant with Jesus inside of us. Do you get that? But the marker is, are we growing? Are you chasing the things of Christ? Or are you chasing the things of the world? And if you're honest with yourself right now and you're examining yourself, we're getting ready to do communion. I'm going to ask the people serving communion. Make your way to the back. They're going to come out and they're going to dispense the cups right now. But as we're doing this, I want you to literally do what the scriptures say to do and examine your own heart. Ask these four questions. Do you know that you know that Jesus died for your sins? Is your only hope in Jesus? Is the presence of Christ growing in you? And then finally, are you chasing after the things of God?